I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. We worship at Island Creek Elementary School, 7855 Morning View Lane, every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. season after Easter within the life of the church is usually dedicated to the scriptural narratives about the resurrection appearances of Jesus. We typically hear stories during this time like Jesus encountering one of the disciples named Thomas or Jesus encountering Peter on the lake shore where we get the famous phrase, Peter, do you love me? Or even Jesus encountering two people on a road headed to a place called Emmaus. Now, don't get me wrong. I love these narratives, and and I I get excited every time I hear them read during this season. I play the scenarios over and over again in my mind. I wonder what it would be like to be like Thomas and place my hands in the scarred hands and side of Christ, to be in the upper room with the disciples when Jesus breathed the Spirit over them, or to be on a walk that ends in breaking bread, or to be like Peter and swim across the lake, eat fish for breakfast, and then take a stroll with Jesus being asked whether or not I love him. But unfortunately, I haven't, at least in my faith journey to this point, had these types of experiences. And it's not for a lack of trying. Yet, as I have matured in my faith, the more these narratives are starting to show me that, yes, 
These stories of these resurrection appearances are unique and situated in a specific time and place, but they are also fairly normal events that happen in the lives of normal people in which the presence of Christ shows up. Out fishing with friends, going for a walk, hanging out with buddies, sharing a meal. These are all ordinary things that lead to an encounter with an extraordinary God. So over the next several weeks, we're going to look small in an effort to encounter the big in our daily lives. We'll ask questions like, how can we change the way that we view the world and our habits in it so that every moment, can be seen as a gift of grace, a moment of reflection, and an opportunity to encounter the extraordinary, made known not only through creation, but made particular through the life and ministry of Jesus, the one we call Christ. You see, I am convinced that for many of us, when it comes to the life of faith, we've grown very well accustomed to compartmentalizing what is sacred with what we would call secular. What is of God and what is of this world. Instead of leaning into the affirmation we find over and over again throughout Scripture, that God is both the beginning and the end, the all in all, the one in whom all things hold together and the one in whom all things have their being. You see, when we build habits of the mind that tell us that what we are doing in any given moment is not religious or doesn't have the potential to be an encounter with Jesus, we lose the ability to live in the present moment of grace. For many of us, our faith has turned into a matter of what we believe instead of what we are and how we see and interact with the world around us. Rachel Held Evans, a tremendous leader in the emerging voice of progressive Christianity, a leader that was taken far too soon, once wrote in her book, Evolving in Monkey Town, the following. Rachel writes, I'm not sure when it happened, but sometime in my late teens or early 20s, it was as if Jesus packed up his bags and moved from my heart and into my head. He became an idea, a sort of theological mechanism by which salvation was obtained. I described him in terms of atonement, logos, the object of my faith, and absolute truth. Jesus was something I agreed to, not someone I followed. But then she writes, this radical Jesus wanted to live not only in my heart and in my head, but also in my hands. As I fed the hungry, reached out to my enemies, healed the sick, and comforted the lonely. Being a Christian, she writes, it seemed isn't about agreeing to a certain way. It's about embodying a certain way. It's about living as an incarnation of Jesus, as Jesus lived as an incarnation of God. So what I, want us to, what I want to urge us to see over the next several weeks is the notion that Christianity is so much more than about what you believe, but about what you embody. 
It's about your body, where your body is, what it's doing, who it's with, and all the messy moments it experiences. Because in the ordinary, we can find the extraordinary God of all creation. You see, in our scripture passage today, everyone, even Jesus, the text tells us, showed up to worship as was their custom. I imagine they, like my family, woke up late, debated as to whether or not their schedule would allow them to attend worship if we hadn't already made our minds up the night before. Perhaps they fought with their children in the morning to get them out of their pajamas and into something that would tell others that we at least bathed them occasionally. And then I see them making their way to the service and then, as was their custom or habit, then they would attend church. At least this was church before the convenience of watching it in your pajamas at 10 or 11 a.m. during a pandemic. The community of faith that showed up to the service that day out of habit or custom. But within those habitual sentiments, they failed to prepare themselves to receive the possibilities of the moment. You see, they came to encounter God, the God of their ancestor, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And yet, when this very God in flesh stood before them, proclaiming the fulfillment of the very message they had waited for generations to see come to light, the year of the Jubilee, a season of wholeness, healing, belonging, and restoration. When the very God who promised these things stood before them in worship and declared its fulfillment, their eyes and their ears were not conditioned to encounter such a shift from their expectations. Instead of rejoicing, they turned to anger. Instead of praising, they sought to cause harm. As people of God, the God who is all in all, we must relearn how we see, move, and act in the world so that all occasions no matter how big or how small, are open to the opportunity of encountering the risen Jesus. Our worshiping occasions, and even the little moments like waking up and beginning our day by rolling out of bed, are all moments of countering the end of divine. Trish Harrison Warren, the author of The Liturgy of the Ordinary, Sacred Practices in Everyday Life, writes some very convincing words when she writes, we have everyday habits, formative practices that constitute daily liturgies. By reaching for my smartphone every morning, I had developed a ritual that trained me toward a certain end, entertainment and stimulation via technology. Regardless of my professed worldview or particular Christian subculture, my unexamined daily habit was shaping me into a worshiper of glowing screens examining my daily liturgy as something to, that both revealed and shaped what I love and worship allowed me to realize that my daily habits were malforming me, making me less alive, less human, less able to give and receive love throughout my day. Changing this ritual allowed me to form new and repetitive and contemplative habit that pointed me toward a different way of being in the world, she writes. What Trish is pointing out here is what, in my estimation, is demonstrated in the crowd from the gospel lesson today. No, the congregation's eyes were not set towards their cell phones 
or stuck in their Instagram or social media accounts. But they had developed habits, whether on purpose or not, that led them to be less alive, less human, and less able to give and receive love when the very God of creation came and spoke through the person of Jesus, the best news of all. News like the blind would see, the deaf would hear, the lame would walk, the captive would be set free, and that the year of the Lord's favor would indeed be upon them. And Trisha's quote, she utilized the terminology of liturgy, a word that you may hear us use frequently during this series. Regardless of your faith background, and whether or not your faith tradition is overtly outspoken about its liturgy, the truth is that all traditions have a rhythm of worship that is repeated week after week. This liturgy is not just for programmatic sake of allowing faith leaders like myself to reuse the same bulletin format over and over, but the liturgy is a powerful tool to teach us and form us in certain ways. In the most basic formations of the liturgy, we gather, we hear, we respond, and then we are sent in service and ministry in the world. Our daily lives are like that. You see, the truth is that our daily lives have a liturgy as well, and God intends to meet us in those moments also. I wanted to run from the liturgies of my life several times, like cooking a nightly meal, picking up the same pile of toys on the floor, doing a never-ending pile of laundry, or heading to work day after day. And yet, just as God has intentions to meet us in the liturgies of worship, the rhythms of worship, God also has the intention to meet us in the liturgies or rhythms of our lives, even the ones that look boring and mundane. Friends, God is still speaking to us today. Maybe not in the lofty ways like we encounter in Scripture, where Jesus transports through a wall or gives his hand and his side to be touched, but to be certain, God is still speaking to us. Speaking to us when we develop the habits of clothing the stranger, feeding the hungry, visiting the sick, offering companionship to those in prison. Or as we'll look at in the weeks to, to, as weeks go on, showing up by offering us a meal, giving us companionship through our animals and all of creation, the special moments of grabbing a drink with friends, birthing babies, or perhaps my favorite activity, going to bed. I can't wait to explore these with you, and I look forward to relearning ordinary habits that help us encounter an extraordinary God. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we join together today, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Would you pray with me? O oh God, with faces touched by the light of a new day and hearts warmed by our prayers and praises, we come before you to pray for the needs of our world. And through the light of the Easter season, we raise those who are struggling with illness, with despair over their lives, 
or with the breakdown of relationships. May the light of Christ shine upon them. And to the light of Easter morning and this Easter season, we bring those places in our world where war, violence, poverty, and need are the experiences of everyday life. And we pray that the light of Christ would shine upon them. And into the light of the Easter morning and this Easter season, we bring the headline news. We hold in our hearts the pain. We stand with those suffering violence, bereavement, or conflict. And ask that the light of Christ may shine upon them. And into the light of this Easter morning and this Easter season, we bring ourselves, our private struggles, our hearts' yearnings, our hidden dreams, our unfulfilled potential, and ask that the light of Christ would shine upon us. As we enter into this Easter season, hear us, O God, as we pray to you the prayer that your Son Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. table.